Spire. From Spire, this is Starting Now, a show about change, resilience, and your next big idea. I'm Jeff Saris. Today I'm talking to Joel Runyon. Joel's the founder of Impossible HQ, the MoveWell app, Ultimate Paleo Guide, and so many more things. We dive into Joel's story, we dive into what it's like to start a business and grow a business, and really what it looks like to have momentum. So without further ado, let's get started. All right. So Joel Runyon, thanks for doing this for the second time in what, four or five days? Because we had a little little snafu last week. But thanks for being here. Let's do it. Round two. Ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about so much last time. We were in, I mean, we were way over time for how I planned trying to get these in at 30, 40 minutes. And we were, we were pushing 90 minutes. It was such a great conversation. And then and then that audio was gone. So that was that was we, not... we we got like two seconds of it, I think. We got like Oh yeah. And and all of your audio. So you had a nice uh-huh. solo yeah. conversation on your part. There. Yeah, yeah. Just a one sided, just nothing, yeah. a bunch of silence on the other end. <laughs> but yeah, so Joel, let's dive in and tell people who you are and what you're up to. All right. So my name is Joel Runyon. I run a site called Impossible. It's about pushing your limits and doing something impossible and changing your mindset by taking on hard uh, physical challenges. And uh, I have a couple other businesses. I do some advising for startups, but Impossible is kind of like my main baby and the main thing that I've been working on for quite a while at this point. And um, yeah, so it started off as a blog, kind of transitioned to a brand and it's kind of growing into a business now. And we're coming out with a bunch of physical products, but you know, the goal is uh, you know first to inspire people to push themselves and do something impossible. Uh, then train themselves up to be able to be the people to take on these hard challenges and then, uh, you know, fuel and gear these people up as they go out and do these things on their impossible list. So um, that's sort of the mission and the brand. And we can talk about all the ways we do that. Oh, yeah. So what year was it when you started? Jeez, uh, 2010, I think it was. Um, so we, I can do the whole backstory on like how I got started with Impossible and all that stuff. But yeah, basically graduated school 2009 and uh, middle of the recession, bad time to do it. Uh, don't recommend graduating in the middle of recession. And then couldn't get a job for basically an entire year and ended up in my parents' basement thinking like everything in my life seemed impossible. I'd done all the things you were supposed to do and none of them were working out. And uh, I had all my friends... You know, some people were traveling the world. Some people had, uh, you know, started their own businesses. And uh, I was just sitting in my parents' basement, like looking at all these things I wanted to do and thinking they all seemed impossible. And then uh, I tried, uh, ended up taking that word as inspiration to see if I actually could go out and do some of these things that I thought were impossible. So what were some of the first things then that you did on the impossible list? Yeah. So, so basically backstory real quick. Uh, like I said, unemployed for like nine months after I graduated, I got a part-time job at UPS over Christmas in Chicago, slinging packages. We were supposed to go out for six weeks. I only went out for three because the economy was so bad. Nobody was shipping packages. Um, it fired us after Christmas. I'm back in my parents' basement. And, um, you know, like I said, I had friends traveling the world and I was like, I want to do that, but I have no money. And I had a friend quit his job and I'm like, 
and start his own business. And I love, I love to do that, but I, I physically can't quit my job because I can't even get a job. Um, and then I, I had a whole bunch of things on the list, but the, the one on the list that I didn't have an excuse for was run an indoor triathlon. And uh, I didn't know anything about triathlons. I'd never run one before. I didn't know anyone who had run one before. But uh, I had excuses for why I couldn't travel the world. I had excuses for why I couldn't start a business. But I didn't have any good excuses for why I couldn't get on my bike and ride around the block or put my running shoes and run around the block. So I wrote that thing down and I started training for it. It took about like six weeks. And uh, I did my first indoor triathlon at a Lifetime Fitness. I swam for 10 minutes, I biked for 30 and I ran for 20 and I added up my time. And when I finished it, I think my mom was there like cheering me on. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, you spent so much time telling yourself that this was impossible and you just did it. Um, if that's true, what other things that could you do if you just, you know, what other things that you currently think are impossible could you do if you decide to just push yourself and train for it? And so uh, that kicked off my blog. I started blogging about it, started blogging about these additional challenges, mostly physical ones I was doing at the time, and then kind of sharing. Um, I started realizing my story was kind of interesting, but people were really interested in how I was able to do some of these things. So I started sharing um, sort of the how-to behind it, and then uh, kind of grew from there. I started building up a community of people that were interested in pushing their limits and taking on physical challenges, and then... Uh, you know, come out with training programs over the years and now come out with impossible shirts where people wear their impossible shirts while they're going to do something on their impossible list. And then, uh, you know, this summer we're coming out with uh, uh, different training products to actually help people uh, fuel on these these races and challenges and uh, to really take away everybody's excuses on why they can't push their limits and do something they didn't think they could do. So that's the. Yeah, that's uh, the that's the breakdown, if you will. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I mean, to zoom forward then, actually, I want to do this since we just did this a few days ago. I want to do it a little differently from last time, okay. you know, change it up yeah. a bit. Remix. So like, let's jump right to today for a moment. Okay. How do you make money? Because I feel like that's always an interesting thing people are curious about with entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's like, I want to make the leap. But how does someone else go about earning an income? Yeah. So how I make money now is different than how I used to make money. Like, I mean, for the first two years of Impossible, I had a job. Like, I was just starting it as like a started Impossible as a way to make my life more interesting, not as a, a business necessarily. And so um, I had a job for a long time. And then um, I had a consulting thing on the side and I was getting better at my job and I was making more money, but kind of always working a little bit on my side projects. Um, and what kind of consulting was that? Just like, uh, so it was basically my day job, but just sold to like third parties. So I was just working extra. So it was marketing. Um, mm -hmm. But when I first started, I knew nothing about marketing. So it was literally just like me hustling. Like I was learning a lot of my day job and then taking whatever I could learn and finding additional clients for it on the side that weren't target clients of, you know, my employer at the time. And so, uh, but the way I make money now is kind of evolved. So I do a lot less consulting. I do some advising to startups. Um, but Impossible has uh, like an e-commerce uh, apparel line and we're scaling out with uh, additional physical products, both apparel stuff this summer and then um, physical supplements. And then um, I have a couple other businesses. So I had a business, uh, two businesses that's kind of spun out of Impossible. I have a paleo meal planning nutrition uh, business where uh, we just help people understand really basic uh, real food 
based nutrition, paleo, keto, uh, that type of thing. And then I have a uh, mobility and recovery app called MoveWell, which is uh, teaches people how to uh, uh, do do things like uh, everybody has a foam roller and uh, nobody knows what the hell to do with it. So the cheeky <laughs> tagline of, of MoveWell is we teach you what the hell to do with a foam roller. But uh, we basically make mobility routines for everybody from um, office workers to athletes on how to recover better, uh, improve their overall performance, uh, have less pain and, um, in like less than 10 minutes a day. So, um, I, it's been and interesting because the, the, the growth of both my career and the businesses and, you know, money making and all this other stuff has really started from like a, um, like a really small place of, like I said, I started this whole journey running an indoor triathlon and then things started evolving and like kind of outgrowths of different things in different places. And, um, yeah, it's kind of grown and changed and evolved over time. Yeah. And I really like how it's how, I mean, you've adapted. So this is like, we've talked about, this is a show about change, resilience, and your next idea. And you are that idea guy. You come up with it, you run with it and you, you test and see what, like what comes out at the other end. And um, I really like sort of how you've come to some of your ideas, like the MoveWell app, for example. Mm-hmm. So how how did that end up coming about, and um, sort of where what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, so um, uh, so MoveWell started because I was doing an ultra marathon project for Impossible, and I was running an ultra marathon on every continent, so seven ultra marathons on seven continents uh, to build seven schools with pencils of promise, and so we were looking to raise around two or three hundred thousand dollars. Um, two hundred thousand dollars. Um, and uh, I did this whole build up, made this whole show of it. It was like, okay, race number one, go to Patagonia, Chile, and I go to Patagonia, Chile, and I get ready for this race, and I'm running the race, and I'm twenty six point two miles in, and uh, sure enough, uh, uh, like twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven miles in. Uh, I come down a hill, I get blown across the road with this big tailwind at my back and end up rolling my ankle really badly. Um, and I've rolled my ankle before. It wasn't a big deal. I was like, okay, I'm just going to suck it up, you know, hobble for like a half mile and then pick it back up. And I basically ended up hobbling, hobbling the last 14, 15 miles because my, my leg was busted up and I finished and I was like, okay, I'll put on ice and I'll be fine. And I get back to the U S and you know, after being used to doing 20 mile training runs, like it's not a big deal. Uh, I could barely run like a quarter mile. And so mm-hmm. I had made this big seven, seven, seven project, made all these announcements and all of a sudden I couldn't run at all. So I had to take time off to rehab my ankle. Um, I basically took six months where I just sat down and rehabbed it. And I noticed when I was going into physical therapy, I was great at it. Super easy really, really great student, whatever. And they'd like go home do your homework. And I would just not do it because I didn't know what to do. It always felt like unnatural. Like I didn't have a step-by-step process for it. And so, uh, I decided to make move well, which is basically, uh, everybody knows that they're supposed to do something with foam rollers, but they don't really have anybody to walk them through it. And with PT, it was great. Cause someone's always like, okay, do this. I do this. I do this. And so we basically built a mobility app that does exactly that. Say, you know, for 60 seconds, do this, then this, then this, and their goals, their goal specific. So it's not just like, Hey, everybody, you know, roll out your back today. Um, 
you know, if you have a lower body injury, you probably want to focus on that. And so we tried to design these to be uh, goal specific for whatever routine um, you need. So um, that's kind of how move well started. And then it's like, okay, well, that's not the biggest project in the world, but it's got like a really small vocal, like uh, I don't want to say a very vocal, uh, even though it's small uh, audience and they love it. So um, we just basically scheduled out, like this week, um, routines throughout that are going to be releasing every week throughout the end of the year. And, um, just making sure we're scaling that up. So, uh, that's just an example of something that I, you know, I had, was having issues with personally. And then I kind of pulled some people and found out they had issues with it too. And we decided to fix it and then, then we're good to go. Yeah. So, I mean, scratching your own itch is so valuable. I mean, you, you had the problem, you had the, the hurdle to overcome and then satisfying that. I think that's a great thing. Like as an entrepreneur, it's sort of what we strive for. You know, we're trying to, to solve these problems for people. How long would you say between sort of the aha moment that, oh, hey, this is something that we need, that people need, I need. How long between then and would you say your first, so the MVP for someone who doesn't know, like a minimum viable product, like how long would you say that was? That was probably like six, eight weeks, something like that. It was pretty fast. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That is like, so fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the thing about this stuff is I tend to keep things simple, maybe too simple sometimes, but um you know, when we thought about it, it was like, okay, it's basically a list of, of referenced movements. And so we didn't want to like do this big complex app with all sorts of crazy functionality. It was like, okay, what's the problem? Okay. Your legs hurt, your back hurts, your shoulders hurt, your neck hurts. Like you're trying to get loose for a run or for a workout. And we had like 10 main pain points that we had. And so we shot a bunch of movements. And we specifically designed the app so the movements could be reutilized. So we wouldn't have to like create new content constantly. And then what was valuable was we created these routines. So the, there's movements and then there's routines. The routines are made up of movements and specific timing. And so what was valuable was organizing all these movements because they're all the same. You know, there's 50, 100 movements that like people can do on a foam roller, if that. And they're all the same thing, but it's like, okay, how long do you do it for? When do you move? So we basically just built the bones of it. And then we're able to plug and play like, okay, you know, do a hamstring smash for, you know, 30 seconds and then do the other one for 30 seconds. And then, you know, work out your way down your lower body and then flip over. And so we were able to plot this out in a way that was, it was not that complicated. It was basically a video player with a timer. And then a, the back end was just like a simple database. Um, we didn't even have accounts. We still don't actually have like real like login, save. Like there's a lot of things I like to add, but um, we didn't start with that. And, you know, we found more than like crazy features or anything. A lot of people want to just use the app, uh, get in, get out and move on with their life. And so um, we've been really focused on just like building really good content around the routines because that's what people are more interested in necessarily like crazy crazy functionality because um yeah the the order we give to the the movements because there's a lot of places out there that just have like they've got 500 videos of every single movement you could ever want to do but it doesn't actually help you achieve your goal um and then there's people with like crazy app functionality but you're just like i don't even know where i'm going i just want to get this done and so i thought we hit a nice you know medium 
um, in between those two where it's like, you got 10 minutes, there's no reason to feel bad. Just get on your foam roller. You can do this during lunch break. You can do this at your desk. It doesn't matter where. You can do this in the gym. Uh, you know, get it done. And if you do this, you're not going to have like spectacular failures like I did where <laughs> I had imbalances and the way I was running and recovering. And uh, it took me getting, you know, massively injured in Patagonia to really wake myself up and realize recovery is important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the simplicity, as you said, of how you do things and you're starting with the the small little piece and running with it. I think that's, I, I mean, I think that's a huge positive in your approach because we can really get bogged down in the details and the grandiose vision, but you're launching. I mean, you're getting them out there, you're running with it. Um, it if it is it profitable and how long did it take to become profitable yeah so it's not like a huge business but it's also like there's mm-hmm. not that many expenses so like it probably runs uh, like a thousand a couple thousand bucks a month um which is not like the biggest business but it's also like it's not my naming focus it's kind of something that we spun up and has like i said it's got a a pretty small um enthusiastic user base the main problem with it to be quite honest is that um it's run through app store purchases and so apple Mm. one um there's a limit on the pricing like if we ran it as a web app like you'd probably charge probably three or four x what we charge um but in-app purchases seem to have a cap on like what people want and are are used to be paying Um, and the other part about that is apple takes a 30 percent cut so like everything that you make everything whatever you charge in the app store is automatically uh you know cut by 33 percent so those are the those are the main issues um, with the current structure. But like at this point, like all our footage is done. Um, the main things that we have are like partnerships where we bring in uh, athletes or trainers and they put together their own routines. We'd like to get to a point where we're shooting custom routines with custom trainers. But right now we're basically bringing in, you know, we have a database of movements and we'll let trainers put together their own routines. Um, and then we do promotions with them. And, there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of overhead. There's not a lot of like ongoing maintenance. The app has like, you know, every once in a while, iOS has an update. Um, but it's kind of become this thing that's like, uh, it's growing organically. Uh, turn rates are great. And it's not a, uh, there, there's, I have been surprised. Um, I would have let it go otherwise, but I, just from a money standpoint, like it's not the most, it's not the biggest amount of income that I've, you know, definitely made, but the, the volume of the users, um, like the audio volume of the users that use it and love it is really hot. Um, and so we've been kind of the last two months, uh, scaling our organic push on it. Um, we're releasing a ton more content and we're doing a lot more partnerships, but it's a minimal, like I said, this, it's not a complicated app. Uh, part of the nice part about that is there's not a lot of things that we could like waste time on. Um, I think a lot of times people get caught up in the complexity of how special or how smart they are. And they don't realize that like you can just keep things simple. And sometimes simpler is like, like sometimes you could sacrifice a lot of money to like just save a lot of headache. And um, if you can do that, that's not a bad trade off to make. Mm-hmm. And do you have, um, well, actually just real quick, Go tr- looking backwards. Would you consider making it a web app first now, or yes. do you like where it is? Yeah. So okay. it's um, if I was going to invest what I invested in to build it, I would have made it a web app first. Um, 
it's tougher to we we thought about transitioning it now and it's a little bit more difficult there is a web component which you can access um but handling like I mean, if you want to get super technical on it, like handling like Apple accounts to like a web account, like that involves a whole different, like Apple has security and privacy concerns now. Um, they want everybody, if you have any sort of login at all, now they want you to, to force you to log in uh, with Apple as an option. Um, and so the App Store has some nice distribution bonuses, but if you're not going to get the bonuses of the distribution on the App Store, um, you might be better off just like, you know, I already had an existing audience and we're building a larger existing audience from MoveWell. And so then we're sending them basically the app store. We're losing 33% uh, or 30% just uh, because it's through the app store. And so um, what I would do typically if I could is either do a low code or no code version of this um, and then do it as a web app first um, and have it kind of be built as a web app with a mobile first uh, focus rather than trying to do iOS. Cause as soon as you build an iOS app, Android people are like, what about Android? And, um, it doesn't matter that pretty much everybody I've talked to across multiple apps, multiple industries makes about 30% for every dollar you make on iOS app, you'll make like 30 cents for, uh, uh, the same app on Android. Android. Um, just because there's more users, but they pay less for some reason. Like I haven't, I haven't figured it out, but like you always make less money on, Google or people are just way less appreciative to buy something. And you're not even asking, you know, the, the app itself, I think it's on mobile. It's like five bucks a month. It's not that much. It's, it's super cheap. Um, and you'll still have people be like the price sensitivity on mobile is, is, is really incredible. And so uh, we know there's some competitors out there that charge 17 bucks a month and they keep 97% of it instead of 66 and so um, if we we're going to rebuild it, I would probably think that through a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, it is what it is right now. And if we we're going to retrofit, it's going to be a, a bigger thing. So we're going to eventually offer a web offering, I think, but it's going to, we're going to wait till like, we're either going to have a pre-order list or we're going to have a wait till like people are yelling at us completely to do it because uh, um there's a decent amount of work right now in in making the two talk together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also brilliant that you have it as a monthly a monthly recurring mm-hmm. um, subscription because that is a huge problem. It's like how how do you make something sustainable when someone buys it once? Yes. That's something that like a lot, especially in the web space and WordPress themes and things. It's it's a really it was a really interesting market and it still is like to pursue, but without any sort of recurring revenues, it becomes very challenging because with every sale, the user base grows, the support grows. Yeah. And yeah, that's really great that you did that. And um, looking at your other products too, I don't want to like take you from yeah, yeah. this thought. Looks like you're about to say something. No, no. I was just going to say like the, the thing about recurring that like if people are thinking about starting a business around recurring is like, you have to think about what's the value that you're bringing every single month. I, I, I don't, SaaS is really big right now. People love SaaS, but it's like, how many, I went through the other day, I was thinking through how many subscriptions I have and it made me almost get sick. Uh, but there's so, everybody wants to do subscription, but then they don't want to add value every single time. And and the reason the, you know, uh, the app has value is we're continually like, you know, we'll shoot stuff once a quarter or once a, every six months, but then we tear it out 
over six months. And so like people are getting new stuff all the time and we're adding, you know, small updates, but noticeable ones. And, uh, um, that's the biggest thing is like, if you're going to have recurring, I think recurring is a great business model. It's so much more sustainable, especially if you're doing software and you're trying to build something that you can actually invest in. But you also have to think about like where you're adding value because, um, I even know like some cool software like Gravity Forms. I've had a Gravity Forms subscription for a while, but I'm like, at some point, how much do I need to pay a year for Gravity, <laughs> like for Forms? And like, you know, five years ago, it seemed like, a, you know, reasonable. And now like there's a lot of free plugins that do exactly what that do. So like what, where are you building a moat? Are you like making customers sticky? Are you adding more value to them? Like, what are you doing to justify the subscription? And so, um, Highly recommend it because it makes life so much easier from a business standpoint, both for for planning, for finances, there's a lot less stress. Um, but you do need to think about like if you're going to do that, you also have to shift a little bit of what the product is. Because if you're just going to offer um, like a theme, sometimes like, you know, I, I always think the the package of all the different themes that you have is really interesting because it's like you can... You know, if you're tr- you tr- turn out one or two new designs every every year, that's a bunch of new value that like they didn't know they had, or they could you know if one person starts one site, maybe they're going to start multiple sites and they need more themes. So that's the only other piece of that that I would say. But s- subscription is so much easier. It's just like it's easier to get a customer a customer that already likes you to give you you know another payment than it is to you know go find literally twelve twelve times more customers if you're just going to do a one off, which is crazy on the economic side of it oh yeah i mean you've already built up that no like and trust factor so once you have that it's so much easier to sell to someone and um sort of to move on to some of your other projects then um i know at least one with the meal plans is another subscription i assume subscription-based product um do you have others subscriptions as well and sort of how is the um i'd say the income and the attention how is it sort of distributed about across the many platforms and products that you have yeah so the the meal planning one is uh we have um we have monthly quarterly and yearly uh subscriptions i think we have a biannual one that some people can buy in a specific funnel but it's mostly monthly quarterly and i we see about a 50 50 split between monthly and quarterly um and we like quarterly because it's more money up front and they churn less because it's less billing touches. Um, but uh, that one is just web. Like you can log in on mobile and it works on mobile, but like you're going to log in from a browser. You're not logging in from um, an app app. And uh, I much prefer that. It's a little bit easier for us to maintain. Like I, I can play around with web tools a little bit more than I can with mobile development tools where I'm just like, I'm out of my depth. Um, and then um, the, so, so that's that. And then the stuff we're going to be launching with impossible, it's going to be like, you can buy stuff one off, but we're going to push subscription and have a ton of bonuses around people who um, are, you know, subscribers. Cause we want to, it's, it's easier to invest in people who are investing in you. And that's one thing that we found out is that like, we don't want just like a one-off customer who's going to give us 20 bucks one time and then bounce. Um, it's hard to add a lot of value to someone who's only giving you $20. But if you can build these repeat customer bases, um, you can have better experiences, you can sell them better products. Um, and 
like that's kind of customer I am too. So like I, I'd much rather pay more money and get something nicer than uh, churn through a bunch of stuff and just have like, you know, unless it's sunglasses, I'm cool with burning through a bunch of really <laughs> crappy sunglasses. But other than that, like um, I'd much rather have something nicer, especially if I have an ongoing relationship with the brand um, and then have more ways to interact with them because it's just, it's, it's, it's a much more interesting place to be than always, you know, if you end up charging lower prices, maybe you found this with um, design stuff. It's like the, the less money you charge, the worse customers you get. Um, mm-hmm. And then the more support requests you have to do on top of that. And it just becomes this like stacking thing where you're like, it's not that fun. Um, and yeah, then you, you start getting be, mad, at, mad at your You don't want to be racing to the bottom. Yeah. That's the thing. And so it's like, if you can position yourself, like, is this is what we do and this is where we are. And this is, you know, it's not for everybody, but, and actually mean that a lot of people say it, they don't mean it, but it's like, this is what we do. This is where we are. You know, our meal planner is, is a little bit different position than impossible, but it's still a higher price point than, you know, a lot of people sell meal plans for like three bucks or four bucks. And it's like, uh, you, if you're selling a hundred thousand meal plans a month or something like that, maybe you can do that, but, uh, we don't have the scale to pull that off. And so it's like, I'd much rather run a, a smaller, more profitable company than run, you know, one that's just like the McDonald's of whatever you're at. Yeah. Um, and how big would you say your company is? Because I know you work with contractors and things. So I have, uh, I basically have a, like, I, don't know, I need to come up with a good title for her, but Chelsea is our GM, basically runs the site. Um, and then we have a whole series of different types of contractors. We have some writers, uh, we have some recipe developers, we have a photographer we brought on last year. That's fantastic. Um, and so it's technically all contractor based, but, you know, there's uh, two of them have been basically, you know, full time-ish uh, the last couple of years and Chelsea's been with me for a long time. So um yeah, like the the core is probably, you know, two people including me. Uh and then there's a lot of other, you know, we got a dev, we have a we have a couple devs uh, actually, uh a couple recipe developers, a couple photographers. Um yeah, so I don't know what the numbers on that are. And then we have an agency that handles we have two paleo related apps. So um we have ones that you know, those are really low touch again, uh, but we have an agency that kind of helps make sure they're not, you know, not breaking any Apple rules, if you will. Yeah, I mean, and just thinking about that scale that you've reached, I imagine a lot of people could feel a little overwhelmed. Like, how how do I get from day one to that? Because obviously, this is this is a decade in for you. But what Jeez, would you say? Make me feel old. Man. Is that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> but like. What would you say was that transition from solo entrepreneur? We're sort of rewinding a bunch, but when did you bring in the first person, um, whether it's your sort of go-to person now or maybe someone previously? How did you decide that it was time to do that? I think it was like 2013. I brought on like a VA. Um, well, I had like a VA. So I actually was working. Um, I did a lead gen for a company that did uh, outsourcing. And so as part of the thing, like I got like a halftime VA, which is dope. Uh, so I got a Filipino uh, yeah, actually, she still like reps Impossible and is like traveling the world now. And, like, cool nice. VA ever. Um, so that was like 2012, and then 2013, um, I was doing some more consulting, and so I had like, uh, uh, I just needed to be more efficient with my time because I had more going on, and so I brought on uh, Joanna, who was like the first 
kind of uh, operator that I worked with and she helped me with a bunch of different things and then uh, kind of went through a couple of different people trying to find the right fit and ended up working with Chelsea and she's fantastic and uh, kind of been working with her for a while now. So um, yeah, um, I, w- I would say like when I, when I started realizing like um, especially with the paleo stuff, like there's more stuff to do than I could reasonably do on my own. Um, I could easily pay for it and it made, it freed me up for the stuff that I was really good at, which is like starting stuff, um, analyzing things, fixing things. And then like having really, um, high value inputs, whether that's in my own companies or in other companies, sometimes with, you know, some of the advising I do, I work with some, um, pretty scalable, uh, companies either in Silicon Valley or Chicago or different places. And it's like sometimes, you know, two hours of my time in one of those companies is it's, it's much more, it makes a lot more sense for me to go do something like that. And then, you know, have, you know, someone manage, you know, the blog schedule on one of the other companies just because of scale issues. And so um, that's been an interesting piece of the puzzle is trying to figure out how to balance those two, because I really like, um, I really like uh, getting my eyes on other businesses. It keeps me sharp. It makes me, uh, keeps me interested in different things. Um, but uh, I'm fiercely independent too. So I, I have that, you know, kind of balance I have to hit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we share. Like we are very similar in that we're both, we're both fiercely independent. We've never, we haven't scaled up. We've kept everything within in-house, Dave and I. Um, but the scale that you've achieved while staying completely independent. I mean, you, this is your company. Oh, well, these, these are your companies. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. everything is, um, it's coming from Joel, but you've found a way to make it where you don't have to be there for everything, yeah. which, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. It's great. I mean, so let's jump over to, you did mention, impossible has some subscription stuff coming in so you have yes. the merch and apparel is that something you can talk about i know it's like yeah. early in that you know so, so the merch and apparel has kind of been there for a while like we've been selling impossible shirts since like 2012 and i've been pushing those for a long time and we've thousands of shirts at this point um but one we're looking at upgrading the shirts uh both you know like kind of like a really nice really comfortable uh impossible shirt right now but we're looking at upgrading it to like athletic performance one where you could go to you know your hardest workout you've ever done um you know actually like take it on an ultra marathon with you and it's not going to be like it's not going to hold you back it's gonna it's gonna help improve so uh we want to make it on like nike adidas level type quality stuff um i don't know if that's their performance level not necessarily like their manufacturing standards <laughs> uh so um we really want to uh create awesome gear that people are not just like hey this is a cool message but it's also like holy crap this was a game changer like this is my favorite shirt uh i'm gonna use it anytime i go work out so that's number one um and then the subscription stuff is really more focused on like product supplements so um the way we're scaling this out is uh, i'm actually trying to get this live sooner than later but I'm working on an energy formulation. So one of the, one of my favorite brands with like my least slash like hate love products is Red Bull. I love the way (laughs) they've built their company. I think um, the way they 
like approach like human potential and just like their athletes partnership. Like, I think it's really cool. Um, but Red Bull is just like, and I actually really like Red Bull, but like Red Bull is terrible for you. Uh, there's so much <laughs> sugar in it. There's so much crap in it. And so basically we've been building out a, like a clean version of Red Bull that we're going to be launching. Not, I, don't, I probably can't say it like that. We're a like clean energy yeah. uh, formulation um, that we're going to be launching later this year. And then what I want to do is from like the, setup of it it's going to be a director consumer um we really want to encourage subscriptions so not just giving people a discount if they sign up for a subscription but if you know they end up uh, we have to set the specific benchmarks but have content bonuses and other things that kick in um once people kind of buy in uh to impossible because we want it to be something where um yeah, we want it to be something where it's like, okay, you know, this is not just like a one-off kind of cool buy, but it's like, hey, this is like integrated in the workout routine. We're going to add other additional things in the stack as well. Um, and so it's like, it's not just we're inspiring people to push their limits, but we're training them. We have content for them on how to actually do that. Um, we're featuring stories of the athletes that are doing it. And then we're also, uh, you know, creating the apparel that they're wearing while they're doing it and fueling with. So like that's kind of the lineup that we want to do. And uh, uh, it's been kind of a long time coming, but excited to kind of get it off the ground here the next like month and a half or so, really. Oh, that's awesome. Now that's that really I, close. Now that I said it that, I have to I have to get my butt moving. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to work on an accelerated time frame because, you know, we just talked about keeping things simple. So uh, let's keep it simple. Yeah, that's... And you built a brand with inspiration and products and things, but finding a way to inject that recurring, that subscription-based model. Like I find that that can be so challenging sort of in retrospect. Like you have something going, you have you have this machine rolling and then finding finding the thing that makes sense within the system, makes sense for your community. Like that's that's really good. Like we struggled with that with our paleo stuff is like you you found the way to take um, Ultimate Paleo Guide and then build in the products, build in yeah. the subscription, which was really good. I mean, that's that's kudos on that. It's really <laughs> it's it's a tough area to figure out because so many people have food blogs and so many people have these. It's a lot of rehashed stuff. So then to create a platform that is original, that isn't just repackaging X, like you were taking yeah. it, doing all your own recipes and whatnot. Um, well, so well there, the, the thing yeah. with meal plans is that like you have two types of food blogs, right? You have like, uh, you have the ones that go viral and it's like, you know, my buddy John runs uh, minimalist baker and you know, they have, you know, him and his wife, Dana, they have a huge blog, millions of views or whatever. And it's all based around Dana and, um, crazy successful, but, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they don't really sell products. They, they more have uh, like, you know, ad revenue. And that's like one of the things that they do. Um, and we were in a weird place where it's like, we were a big blog, but we weren't the biggest blog in the world. And um, if we were just going to rely on affiliate revenue, it's like, you know, you're competing with other affiliates. They could cut you off at any time. It's really tenu tenuous position to be in. And so um, we wanted to kind of control our own destiny. And, um, you know, meal planning is like not a, terrible way to do that it's still competitive but it's not it's not nearly as competitive as it's like you know 400 people you know all trying to rank for the same paleo pancake recipe like it's <laughs> it's a little bit more uh uh not gated but it's it's a, there's a little more of a moat to actually point it off 
Mm-hmm. And what's the? It's another simple approach. What you said, fifteen minutes, five ingredients. Was that yep. it? Yeah, I and love it, that. And it was originally we we made all of our own recipes to fit it specifically. So like, a lot of places will just scrape other people's recipes, which is cool. But like, I don't love it. And uh, you also end up with like mismatched recipes where some are super complex, some are super easy. And we just want to make ours easy and fast. And so it's fifteen minutes, five ingredients. Uh, that's the deal. And you can do like one click checkout, order your groceries online. Um, turns out that's actually really nice in a pandemic. Like people <laughs> are like, yeah, I love gro- you know, online grocery shopping. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, like we started off, you know, again, keeping it simple. We literally were making the meal plans by hands. Uh, not the, not an efficient way to do it. Um, but <laughs> it worked for a while and we built up the customer base and then we, you know, did something else. So, um, I think a lot of times people are scared to do stuff but manually, but you're like, it's it's not, it's not even being scared to do stuff manually. It's just being scared, I think, typically, because it's like, if, you know, if you can actually make a decent amount of money by writing meal plans by hands, like it's way better than other work out there. So like, you know, might as well give that a shot for a couple months and see what works and then, then scale up. So um, yeah, again, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. Yeah. And the see what works part, that's the brilliance of it, I think, is you're doing it manually. You're not investing thousands and thousands of dollars in mm-hmm. these products that, I mean, who knows? Maybe meal plans, I feel like they they were a nice real, um, there'd be a lot more confidence in meal plans going from the site that you had. But yeah. I mean, sometimes there's products that we, we know people are going to love. And then you invest all this money, all this time, months, weeks, months, maybe years in it. And then crickets yeah. and that's that is the worst spot to be in well even even a little bit of reverse so with move well we thought like the the app like all this functionality is what people would love and people really just love the content so it's like hmm. that content is actually easier for us to make um on an ongoing basis than it is to do um it's easier for us to make new content than it is to like add in crazy functionality that people may or may not like and there's a lot less risk to it it's like Let's get a videographer. Let's get a fitness model. Let's go shoot it. Um, and it makes life a lot easier, which is kind of funny that, you know, the things that you think, you know, a lot of people like, I think we build uh, these obstacles up to be bigger than we think they need to be sometimes because then they're more intimidating. There's more justification on why you can't do it. And then it also takes longer to actually launch it. And so you spend more time in the struggle world versus just being like, what's the simplest way I can get this out there? Boom. What's the fast way to get feedback? Boom. What's the next, like, and just keep that going. It's, that's, you know, I found feedback and momentum are really, really powerful things. And if you can harness that, um, you know, without jeopardizing your brand or your product or anything like that, but you can, you know, you can rationalize it. It, it helps a lot. Yeah. Momentum applies to so much too. I mean, building your community from day one, it's like you're starting at nothing. It's like, maybe my mom will read it. Maybe my, a couple of friends on Facebook will click on my link or listen, listen to this podcast say, but then yeah. over time it, it starts to be um, self-fulfilling, which is phenomenal. Because if you're doing great work, people like to talk about that. They like to share it with their friends, like they got something out of it and they like to, to pass it, uh, pay it forward. Yeah. Um, and I think people could feel, I'm not a big energy guy, but like there's something like that you could feel something's on a roll. And if you, you can sense that people want to be a part of that. And, um, a lot of that is dictated by kind of how you approach your work. And if you're being consistent on stuff and if you're, you know, 
you're continually improving over time. Like people can feel that. Um, I'm not going to get super woo on it, but like that's, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, there's a vibe there that people will pick up on if, uh, uh, when they see momentum's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, what does a day look like for Joel? Like today where you have all the businesses and all the different products, what would you say in a typical day or maybe the average of your most typical days, what they look like? Oh, geez. Um, so now is a little bit different than lately because, uh, I'm doing a lot of consulting for this productivity app called Woven. So I'm doing a big advisory thing for them. Um, it's a big productivity app out of uh, out of Mountain View. Um, I actually started using it last year because um, I felt like I was out of control with my time and like I wasn't getting anything done. Um, and so the first thing that I started doing last year was like, one, I started treating my calendar like it was my boss, um, <laughs> which is annoying because you might feel like this. I'm really independent. I don't like people telling me what to do. And I started my own business because I want to do what I want to do. And I'm not going to do what my anyone tells me to, even if I want to do that, I'm not going to do it just to like, I'm a five-year-old on the inside. Like I'm going to prove that I'm independent. <laughs> right. Um, and so at, I realized like last year, I like wasn't doing all the things that I wanted to be doing. I wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. And so I kind of surrendered to be like, all right, uh, I'm going to let my calendar boss me around. But then I realized like I was actually in charge of what was, what I got to put on my calendar. Like I'm, so like I can let the calendar boss me around, but I get a boss calendar around. But like once, once the calendar is made, then the calendar is the boss of me. And so I stopped putting things on my calendar that I hated. Like I just stopped, um, like morning phone calls. No, uh, I don't like them. I don't get excited for them. I will often miss them um, kind of, I think subconsciously just cause I'm like, I, I didn't want to be here in the first place. So I'm not, I'm not going to go and you can't I'm literally a five-year-old on the inside. <laughs> and so, um, and so all that to say like woven actually helped me change a lot of different behaviors and um, they need, they need a lot of help with marketing. So last year I offered to help them out with some marketing. So I'm doing a lot of, uh, so they're on like West coast time. And so I would say typically, um, like, especially right now we're in the pandemic. So, uh, my main activities right now are working and working out. Like there, I don't get a lot of other things between that. Um, <laughs> mostly because I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, all the stuff that I'm doing is fortunately not affected by the pandemic. And, um, three, like, as we mentioned before, I have, I feel like I have a lot of momentum right now. And if you have momentum, don't lose it because uh, it takes a long time to get back. So I'm trying to take advantage of everything that I'm doing. So that is a long way to say um, in the mornings, uh, I try to do creative work, um, whether that's six to 10 or like uh, eight to 10, 11 or so. Um, I try to get any sort of writing done. Um, typically, yeah, it's writing output or planning output. Um, and I try to block it out of my calendar if I can. If I know I want to do a specific time, uh, a thing for a specific time, I actually mark that out of my calendar and I say, when that hits, I got to do this task. Because otherwise, I get to like 10 p.m. and nothing ever happens. Um, around noon, I try to get outside and either go for a walk. Um, uh, I have a kettlebell. I'll take my kettlebell out and I'll walk around with them and like do an Instagram story or something like that. But around noon, I basically try to get outside and move because otherwise I'll go stir crazy. And then I work, you know, I, I do some woven stuff from like one to six or so. Um, 
And then after six, like six to six to eight, I do impossible stuff. And then like, I work a lot. Uh, and then mm-hmm. like after eight, I work out. Uh, and then I finish up with like emails and random stuff. And then I've got, uh, the meal plans and the nutrition stuff. I've got a couple dedicated, uh, times a week to talk with people, uh, around that. And that is mostly off my plate, which is great. Um, and then I have like one check in a week on move well. Um, uh, and then I think that's it. Well, yeah, right now, like I'm, uh, people talk about work-life balance a lot and, uh, I don't know, but I, I do not, I'm not the guy to come to for work-life balance. I find I work very well in, um, a different type of work environment where I sprint really hard and I know how long I can, um, last at like a, like an extensive work sprint, um, and then like rest. And I will literally just like, I'll go on vacation. I'll turn everything off. I won't talk to people. Like I won't, you know, I'm not working. Um, so I find, I find sprint rest sprint is much more than like finding balance. Um, Cause I'm not really a balanced dude. I've never got anything done balanced in my life. Like all the <laughs> stuff that like I've gotten results on has been like, I'm going to go knock the hell out of this goal right now. And I'm going balls to the wall and, uh, you know, whether that's work, whether that's like, you know, I, I didn't get into like running half marathons. That was never a thing. It was like, Oh, I'm going to start running. Cool. Ultra marathons. What are those? I guess I'll do that. That's my thing now. So I'm not a balanced person. I probably right now I'm, I'm working a ton and I'm getting to the edge of like when I need like another reset, but, uh, all the things I'm doing, I feel at this point, like the businesses are set up the way I want them to be set up. Um, I have an opportunity to like continue and build like a ton of strategic momentum. And, um, I would be crazy right now if I, you know, let up on that because I wanted to watch like more Netflix or something like that. Um, (laughs) and you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's workaholism disguises, uh, you know, a hustle or whatever, but, uh, the pandemic has been a good reason. It's like, you can't socialize anyway, so might as well get stuff done. So, um, that was a long ass response to saying, you know, what's your typical day like? But um, I, I would say it's probably, you know, like creative stuff in the morning, uh, creative stuff in the evening, and then just like admin stuff when I'm like, it's like you just got to triage like emails or whatever. And um, like, luckily, all the organization and, and some of that stuff has already been outsourced and handled by the team. So um, I'm lucky that I don't have a lot of stuff that I'm like, I feel like people get burned out when they're working on stuff that they don't like, or they feel like they got trapped into working on. And I don't feel like I have any of that right now. So um, if that's the case for me, then I can, I don't have endless energy, but you know, one of the reasons I'm, uh, we're building this uh, supplement line, it's like a caffeine based product that, you know, gives a bunch of energy. It's like, I want that. So I want that (laughs) for me. Um, And uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree there with the start, stop, rest kind of approach. It's something I wrote about recently to our email newsletter that I was calling high intensity interval creating. So Ooh. just like high intensity interval training, but yeah. for the creative side. And I've I've been doing these podcasts now and I mean starting the email newsletter. I've been working on a ton of different projects, but it's like just like you, I have the opportunity right now, the the time, the freedom to 
really just balls to the wall, just go for it and see like, what do I like? What What's going to stick? What do I want to keep? But then there is going to be that point where, where you, you sort of, you start to feel like you said, you start to feel like maybe the burnout is approaching, maybe like, um, so do you have sort of a metric? Like, do you have any sort of way where you know, okay, I need this reset. I need that vacation. I need that like time away. Well, I thought I was going to, uh, at the end of February, I was like, I'm going to plan a trip. And uh, it turns out uh, not a great time to plan a trip anywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to keep going. Uh, I don't have a way other than saying you have to just sort of internalize this. It's like when people say like, how do you know if you're hurt or injured uh in like sports and it's like i don't know you have to be injured a couple times to start figuring out like what the line is like um <laughs> i think sometimes you have yeah i talk about pushing your limits sometimes you have to butt up against them a couple times and sometimes you'll realize like that's not a limit sometimes you're like oh that's a pretty hard limit so um you know everybody's like everybody always asks that question and i don't think a lot of people actually hit like i don't think People use that question to, to pull themselves back a lot from going as hard as they could after something. It's like a built-in excuse. Well, I don't want to overdo it. So, you know, I'm not just going to try or I'm just going to like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll waffle along. And, you know, so, sometimes you'll see people say burnout. But again, I think burnout is much more from working on stuff that's not energizing. I had somebody email me the other day and they're like, well, how do I, uh, I, I keep doing, you know, pushing myself. But then at the end of the day, I just feel burnt out. And I'm like, well, you got to be like working on stuff that you get energy from i think if you work on something you get energy from like you can get tired but you don't get you know burned out like you don't see elon musk being like i'm burned out and he's running you know he's reinventing energy sending people to mars whatever like he's working on stuff that's energizing i think if he was like pushing papers at like a cubicle job he'd be burnt out um and so i think sometimes a lot of times people say like if, if you're burned out maybe you're working on the wrong stuff like maybe you need to take a cue and be like, I need to work on better things or, or I get rid of the stuff in your life that's causing the burnout. And, you know, if you're working on stuff that gives you energy, I think you can do a lot more than you think you can. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's like, uh, there's a lot of, there's plenty of people that have r- like run into burnout from like a, a work standpoint, but I, I find their stories end up being a lot more like they got stuck in, parts of their business that they don't want to be stuck in or they were doing things that they didn't care about anymore or they're they were just bored um i don't find people have a lot of like i was really enthusiastic about this still and i got burned out like it it doesn't seem to be happening and so what i would say is like look at your inputs what's draining your energy what are you bad at that's like slowing you down um and if you just focus on doing the things that help build momentum like you I don't, I don't run into burnout as much. Um, I think I have a pretty high work capacity though. So it could be an outlier, but you know, I like work. I'd much rather work a thousand hours for myself than like 20 hours for someone else. Like the idea that I get to shape, whatever I want to do is that's invigorating. And you're also like, how lucky am I that like in a pandemic, I can still work on stuff that I care about. And like, I don't have to worry about like going into like a construction site with like a mask and all this other stuff on. It's like, I don't know. Like I don't, other people have a way worse. I'm pretty happy with like my setup. So if my worst part is like, I'm working a lot right now. Like of all the problems in the world, I guess I will take that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so. you've chosen, 
I mean, that yeah. is, that's the life that you want. It's what's giving you value. And you've, yeah, you've reflected. That's the big thing. I think a lot of people don't reflect on what am I doing? How am I spending my time? Like, why maybe am I unhappy? Even if they're, whether they're working in a job or an entrepreneur, like exactly like you're saying, I think it's easy to get sort of, sort of tied up in the monotony and the things that you don't want to be spending your time you essentially become your own boss and you you tried to flee a job to get get away from a boss and suddenly you're your own boss and not doing and doing the things you don't want to do yeah. like i think that's great advice but and also you are you're all about your brand is pushing your limits and that is you push up against your physical limits your whether it's uh, running and training and whatnot but also your entrepreneurial like limits in this sense which i think yeah it's all very valuable well also i think you know I won't say I'm immune to this because I did run into something like a couple of years back where I was just like, I was defeated more so than like burned out even. Like I had, uh, I had a couple of like lawsuits and some other things going on. This was right around the time I got injured. And I was just like, I didn't feel burned out. I just felt like I was like losing like across the board. And um, I also was looking at like the stuff and I was like, really, and a part of this is even, even up to about 18 months ago where I was like looking at my life, I was like, you're not doing the things that you really want to be doing. Like I just start, I just stopped doing them. And then I, or I just let someone else have it. Like I was like, I was mad about this thing. I was like, I don't really want to do this, but like I have to do this. And then I had people on my team that are good at that. So it's like, I could have just let them have it, but no, I wanted to have the control over it. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, you're going to have it and I'm going to get my life back or I'm going to get, you know, and the worst part about like having your own, you know, being your own boss is that like you can't outsource any of the blame you can't be like well my boss made me do this and it just made me really pissed off you're like okay well my life's not like how, how i want it to be okay cool uh, uh uh who who's whose fault is that mm-hmm. and then you like look at yourself and you're like okay oh, this is it's it's definitely my fault and the worst part of like those you know you remember the lifestyle design term like the worst part of design your lifestyle is like who designed this you're not happy with your life huh uh who who who, who did this again you did okay uh <laughs> stop complaining or fix it um and i've had a couple moments where that's happened where either you know whether it was from uh you know being sick of the cold in chicago and moving to san diego or feeling like you know i was nomadic for like a year and a half two years and feeling like i couldn't be as productive. I wasn't as productive as I wanted to be and like moving to Austin and getting a home base. And, um, you know, you can always change stuff. You can always fix things. And, you know, if you're really upset with something, how something's going, like, yeah, you can blame your boss right now, but like level up a little bit and be like, what, what are you choosing in the situation? And what do you want to do? And if you don't like it, change it. Yeah, I think stop complaining, fix it is the perfect note to end on today. I don't want to, I don't want this <laughs> That's good. to, That's good to wind up too much you know because i mean last time we're already pushing an hour right now um we can seriously do this all day so we're gonna have to have a round two at some point but for anyone who uh wants to follow along with what you're doing what's the best place because there are so many platforms so many products like where would you like to send people yeah so uh (laughs) that's good good cutting us off uh before we get to like (laughs) two hours there uh everybody can check out everything i'm doing at impossible hq Dot com that has pretty much all links uh it has stuff to our nonprofit stuff that has um you know all the media stuff we're doing and it's got a store attached to it as well um you know the the meal planning stuff is at ultimate meal plans the move well is at movewell.com 
Um, and I'm at, at Joel Runyon on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow along. But Impossible HQ is kind of the main thing. And if you get there, you'll you'll get to everything else eventually. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's where awesome. I'm at. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, this was another great conversation. It's unfortunate the first one we didn't get to release. This is recorded, we'll right? One. This is recorded, Oh, yeah. Right? This, this should be okay. good. We should have this. <laughs> all the backups are in place, all the yeah. redundancies. So we should be good to go. But yeah, thanks again for doing this. And yeah, we'll definitely have to schedule in a round two somewhere down the line to, to keep up and see how the new uh, supplement line and everything is coming Yeah, we should, we should have stuff out by then. So... Uh, this awesome. is good. This is good. It keeps me publicly accountable, and I gotta gotta get my butt moving. <laughs> nice, awesome. Yeah, thanks again, Joel. We'll right, see you so. next time. Right. See ya. A big thanks goes out to Joel for joining me on this episode. Be sure to follow everything he's up to at ImpossibleHQ.com, and you can follow him on all the socials at Joel Runyon. This episode, as always, is brought to you by Built, your website built for you simply. Built is our platform for building minimalist businesses. We help you start your website, start your blog, build your business, and just head on over to built.co. That's B Y L T.co to learn more. And while you're over there, be sure to jump on our email newsletter, Resilient. I send it out every week or two and just give you a little, little insight on how to help build resiliency into your life and your business. Again, that's built.co, B Y L T.co. And if you enjoyed this episode, Be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now, and also on YouTube. As always, I'm Jeff Saris. This is Starting Now, and I will see you next time.